we're all, we're all, you all have been with us in the series so far. So we are back in our series on Matthew, which is one of the four accounts of the life of Jesus. Matthew's account is divided into five major sections of teachings by Jesus, followed by events in the plot. Now, Matthew divides the book this way to show that Jesus' teaching are like a new and better Torah, which were the first five books of the Old Testament. They are the most honored part of the Old Testament, and that contain God, God's law and commandments and information about his people. So what Matthew wants to say in the book, one of his major themes is that Jesus' words are not only God's law, but they are a better society and a better kingdom and the rule that Jews should believe, live by, and obey. So we are in the last of these five sections, this dialogue of Jesus, and we're also in Passion Week, which is going to be the final week of his life. And if you remember the last couple of weeks, Jesus and his disciples are in Jerusalem for the Passover, which was the biggest pilgrimage festival in Judaism. So they had festivals. Some of you had to go to Jerusalem. Some of you did not. But this is the biggest one that they had to go. And Jews from all over the world would visit Jerusalem, just like people go to Mecca for Hajj or Omrah. And they would all go at the same time to commemorate their freedom from Egyptian slavery. This is what the Passover was, because God had passed over um, the, last, um, the last plague. If they put the blood of, of the lamb on their doorposts and the firstborn was, were killed of every family, except for those who put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. And so they celebrate. And this is when, after that, Pharaoh released them. And this is the celebration of that. That's the Passover. So he's entering in during, um, during this time. It's huge. It's a huge gathering. There's crowds. As Jesus is entering in, there's crowds worshiping him as he enters Jerusalem. This, of course, causes conflict with the elders, the scribes, and the Pharisees. These were the religious leaders of the day who were rightly aware that if you are not God, calling yourself God or the Son of God was blasphemy. But they could not recognize Jesus for who he was. So they try to trap him through various sayings about paying taxes to Caesar or not. And, you know, what, what should we say about these children worshiping you? Where is your authority from? But Jesus is aware and condemns them harshly for their hypocrisy and malice. Um, after all this is over, he and his disciples, they leave the temple and the disciples point out to Jesus the beauty of the temple. And Jesus surprisingly tells them that the temple in all its beauty and its pomp and circumstance and permanence will be destroyed. So the disciples were clearly shocked by this and asked Jesus when these things will be and about when he comes again and at, about the end of history. He then warns them, which we talked about last week, to not give up and not to quit in the face of false messiahs and prophets, external disasters and circumstances and personal danger and even death. And that brings us to where we are today. And before we read the passage, which is only one verse, I wanted to talk about the goal and end of God's kingdom with an analogy. So many of you know, I went to Nepal several years ago. It was a harrowing and relatively horrible trip. So we went trekking. 
we did not hire a guide. We thought we could do it on our own with a map. And that was a mistake um, because we got lost. We missed our, uh, we missed several days on the adventure. We got sick. Um, we got lost. We got pricked by stinging nettles and bushes. And it was just a really rough trip, but we were determined to get to the end because the circuit was about a circle and we did with some shortcuts finally make it there and we were so relieved because we had made it back we had done the trek and we had reached our goal and accomplished it and even though it was rough and horrible and difficult there's this huge sense of accomplishment um, that we felt that we did what we were supposed to we came there to do we did it. We completed this trek, even though it cost us nearly our lives. We did it. We felt good about that. Um, and we'll talk more about how that's connected to God's kingdom after we read the passage, which is only one verse. Um, so this will be a short one. So this is Matthew 24, 14. verse 14. Matthew 24, verse 14. And it says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So the goal, just like the goal of my trek, was clear. I knew where the ending was. My first point I want to say that the goal and the end of God's kingdom is clear. So this verse is one of the, the clearest and most easy to understand verses about Jesus' second coming. And as we'll see, we'll see net below next week, the coming verses. Jesus says other things about his return that are a little challenging, difficult to understand, and can be taken in different ways with different meanings. And even there's other books in the Bible that are like this, the book of Revelation, uh, the book of Daniel. Jesus says certain things about his coming that can be taken in different ways, um, whether how literal or unliteral it is. Uh, and this can tend to lead well-meaning Christians to maybe misunderstand or misinterpret when Jesus will come again. And as I said last week, there have been many people who have predicted incorrectly when Jesus would come back. They would pick a date and the date would come and go. Jesus was not back. They were wrong. And sometimes these incorrect predictions have led people both astray, like we talked about last week, and to weird beliefs about what the Bible says. You know, there have been discussions about uh, Bible code, which means that certain letters of the Hebrew alphabet in the Old Testament can be calculated to talk about events in our time and even end time events when you're using these mathematical codes. Um, if you believe this, I'm sorry, that's not right. Um, it's ridiculous. It makes people believe things that are not in the Bible. <clears throat> people will be thinking, you know, people also have these ideas that, you know, the world is going to implant a chip into our brains or tattoo a barcode that precedes the end times. Um, and that's not, the Bible doesn't say that. We don't know what the Bible says in some of those things. It's like the idea, there's a few Americans in this group uh, it's called, there's an American idiom called draining the swamp under Trump's presidency. Now, draining the swamp, what does that mean if, if you're not an American? It, it's confusing. It's like, why would we drain a swamp? 
Well, for those who are Americans, that was referring to a very specific thing about Trump's presidency to want to get rid of corruption um, in in the White House. Completely different than what the actual phrase means, right? So if you if you if you were not an American or were not aware of these times, drain the swamp wouldn't have no meaning, or we could totally misunderstand or uh, misinterpret what it's saying. And the same is true with a lot of these these Old Testament and New Testament predictions. There might have been lots of local idioms about these uh, predictions in Revelation and Daniel that were clear in their time, but are less clear to us today. So we don't want to be confused with 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 tons of uh, kind of small talk about what the end times mean because we're not sure exactly what what some of these ideas and these um, idioms and these uh, figures of illustration these illustrations mean. But this verse, this verse is not like that. This verse presents a much clearer image of the end of time. It says, once the gospel is shared as a witness to all the nations, the end will come. Nothing especially difficult about this verse. The word end is telos in Greek, which is the same word that used throughout this passage referring to the end. It can mean end, it can mean goal, purpose and goal. And in the understanding of this passage, the end refers to the goal of human history, which is to usher in the return of Jesus. Remember, this is what the disciples were asking him. And in order to achieve that goal or end, the gospel must be preached throughout the world as a testimony to all the nations. So the goal of God's kingdom is to usher in their eternal reign of Christ. But you might be saying, well, hasn't every nation already heard the gospel? We know with radio, with television, and missionaries to every corner of the world, people going to jungles and, and meeting tribes far out of um, human civilization. <clears throat> and while the gospel has been has penetrated into nearly every country, that's not exactly what this phrase "all nations" means. You know, our our modern idea of a nation is tied up with the idea of like a political nation state with borders, constitution, laws, but that's not what what that word means in the Greek. We kind of we can misunderstand that because. What they thought nations mean, what we think nations mean, are very different. The Greek word for nation is ethne. And like the, like the word sounds, it means a group of people connected to a language or ethnic identity or cultural um, commonality. So by this definition, not all ethno-linguistic groupings of people have heard or believed the gospel yet. And we'll talk more about this in a minute. However, once all these ethnic linguistic groups of people have heard the gospel, the end will come. The phrase good news of the kingdom is the idea that Jesus is the promised king and Messiah who died on a cross as a punishment for all of our sins. All the wrong choices we've made, the beliefs, the thoughts we've had, they deserve punishment from a completely perfect and holy God. And we have failed that. If we failed our own standards, which I have many times and still do often, what do you think it's like to fail a perfect and holy God? However, Jesus chose to take this punishment so we don't have to spend 
eternity in hell. God poured out his punishment or his wrath on Jesus so that everyone who believes in him can be part of God's kingdom. We then become sons and daughters of the king because God's looks, God looks at us now if we believe in Jesus that he died for our sins. He looks at us as perfect as Jesus was. So once people from every tribe and language and tongue have heard the gospel, the end will come. This is the main answer to the disciples' questions as to what the sign of will be of his return. Right, all he, you know, when they asked that question, and the first thing he says, which we discussed last week, was to warn them about false Christs and danger and a personal warning, global events. But this is the specific answer to their question. Like, when will the sign of these things be? What is the sign? The sign is when this happens. So what does this mean for us today? Um, we First of all, we don't need to be bogged down <laughs> in, sorry, what? <laughs> um, what does this mean for us today? Um, we don't need to be bogged down in all the details and potential meanings of the mark of the beast and other small details. While these may be of interest and enjoyable to study about, we don't need to be divided over them as believers. We can know with certainty and clarity that the end will come once, once every ethnic group has heard the good news of Jesus. We also don't need to be deceived by people who say that Jesus is coming back at a certain time by some new, unique way to understand and decipher the Bible. Um, because we know that the end won't come until people from every ethnic group have heard the good news of the kingdom. So there is a clear understanding of Jesus's return at the end of time after the goal is met, that all the nations have heard the gospel. That's my first point. My second point is that the goal of the kingdom of God is the church's mission. It's the church's mission. Not only is this a clear statement of God's second coming, it is also the mission or end goal of believers. How does Jesus accomplish this witness for all the nations happen? How does he accomplish this? Well, how does this happen? Jesus does visit people in dreams and signs. There have been many people who have come to the church doors who have said, I had a dream about Jesus. I want you to tell me more. However, the normal way that people hear the gospel is through us. We are the way the gospel is proclaimed as a witness to all the nations. Paul says it this way in Romans 10. How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? In order for all the nations to hear, we must go. We must share. We must present. How will the whole world hear if people aren't going? Now, just to be clear, this is not a Jonah-type proclamation where we just yell at them that God's wrath is coming and we walk away. Um, watch them be damned to hell like Jonah did. Rather, this testimony means preached until there are people who believe from every tribe and language and tongue. This preaching to the whole world as a testimony to all nations means sharing Jesus's 
good news until there are, as the Great Commission says, disciples of all the nations, as the Great Commission at the end of Matthew confirms this. So once there is a small group of people who have heard and received the good news of Jesus from every ethnic and linguistic people group, then we can know that Jesus is going to return. And we know that this is what we want, both for all nations to hear the good news and for Jesus to come back. Now, God has made life on this earth to be enjoyable because of the curse, because of rebellion, our sin. This life is also full of frustration and disappointment, disappointment, sickness and sadness, and ultimately death. I enjoy working. I like my job, but it's also there's also frustration and difficulty and, and bosses and issues and problems. I love my kids, but they often drive me crazy. They push me to the limits of my temper and toleration. I love my friends and family, but people in my, in my friends and my family, they have hurt me, right? We've all experienced this. And then we also all die, which is like, that's not like a great way to end uh, life. Um, but not so after Jesus comes again. We can work with energy and without pain and disappointments. We will love our families, friends, and others without sin. We will never die and we'll be in the peak shape of our lives forever. And of course, we will see and talk and worship God in a way that is direct. This is what the good news is. This is the good news of the kingdom of God that Jesus is talking about, right? Like the song we sang was about, there's going to be joy and there's going to be a feast and there's going to be wine. It's going to be fun. We're going to love it. This is what good news is. I had some good news that just happened this morning. Um, I got my, my vaccination status approved. I've, I was reading reports about people waiting months to get their vaccination status approved. I had emailed several people. I was really freaked out that it wasn't going to happen. And then just this morning, I woke up. I checked my email after I got my son a bottle and then says, your status has been approved. And I was excited. I was excited because I was like, yes, like this means I can go back to Kuwait. I, there's, it was not the, the, the end, but it was the beginning because there's plenty to do. I need to book tickets now. I need to wrap up my life here, spend time with some friends. And, and head back. So this is kind of the, the good news that good news requires some explanation, some understanding, and it's not the end, it's the beginning, right? That's what Jesus is coming back for, the beginning of real true life. So therefore, as the gospel is proclaimed throughout all the nations, we get to play a part in ushering in his second coming. <coughs> so the end, of, the end of God's kingdom is clear. The end of God's kingdom is the mission of the church and my next point is that the goal of god's kingdom is to value the unreached is to value the unreached the end of god's kingdom is to put special emphasis on those people groups who have never heard the gospel which are the unreached reached god has a special desire that this witness being the witness to all these nations the same word for it's martyrion, which is where we get the word martyr from, is for every people group, especially those who have never heard. So just as pe preaching the gospel brings about the ends, the goal of the church is to proclaim this gospel 
to all the nations. But of course, we have a choice. We can be Christians and not do this or not make it a priority in our lives and in our church. However, this is not what God wants from us. Jesus didn't die on the cross for our sins just so we can have a get out of hell card and then continue living our life like nothing has changed, like the world lives, right? God does not want us to waste our lives pursuing the same thing the world pursues, pleasure, power, possessions, pleasantries. Yes, I'm not saying we can't enjoy things, but that is not the aim and goal of our lives. We have a mission and a purpose. Just like when I was in Nepal, I had a purpose. And even though it cost me something, I wanted to complete that purpose, completing that trek. And how much of our energy do we, do we devote to ourselves and to our loved ones? Um, I don't want to die and have God say, I wasted most of my life, most of my opportunities to make an impact on eternity. I don't want to hear God say I wasted it. Rather, I want to be part of this triumph. Jesus makes it clear that this will happen. And if we choose, we can be part of this mission and goal of the church. However, if you remember the book of Esther, Mordecai says to him in the middle of the book, if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews at another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So God's going to deliver his people. God is going to bring people to the gospel, bring people to Jesus from, from, from people. And we can be part of that or we can choose not to. And I believe that we are part of God's kingdom for such a time as this. However, God will raise up others if we choose not to be part of his mission. We may get still get to heaven. But I don't want my whole life to be a waste for God's kingdom. And here's some more good news. It's not too difficult for us living in Kuwait. We don't need to go to the far reaches of the earth to find these people. But these people are all around us in Kuwait. A great website that I encourage you to look at is called the Joshua Project or joshuaproject.net, which is a great site that gives excellent statistics, information, and prayer points about the different people groups in the world. According to this site, there are about 28 people groups, ethno-linguistic groups that live here in Kuwait. Of these, 13 people groups are unreached with the gospel, meaning that these groups have less than 2% of evangelicals in their community. So these people in the unreached category of Kuwait, people, who have, people groups that have not heard the gospel, they make up over three quarters, over 75% of the entire population of Kuwait. And the main unreached people groups in Kuwait are the Arabian Gulf Arabs. So these people are the people who are bosses. There are bosses, there are colleagues, there are students, there are kids' friends, they're the people all around us. They are within our spheres of influence. The other main unreached group are South Asians, which are many of the nurses, doctors, technicians, engineers, along with the gardeners and domestic workers, people we also interact with on a regular basis. And yes, it is inconvenient to reach out to other people because we are often focused on our own and legitimately busy lives. It also takes risks. Some of these people have influence over us in our jobs and in our daily lives. But this is the mission of the church, ladies and gentlemen. 
And imagine if you get to either see someone come to salvation in Jesus or plant the seeds for later conversion. Your impact could begin an avalanche of people turning to Christ and no one else is going to do it. There are no missionaries allowed in Kuwait. There's currently no visas of any kind, especially not tourist visas. So if we don't do it, who will? And think of all the risks we take for, for things. Like I, I told some of you, I started an Airbnb in my home uh, hometown here, here. And it took risk. It took work. I don't know if I'll make any money. And it could totally fall apart. Somebody could trash my place. And that's just a risk for money, making money, spending money to make money. How much more of a value is risking something for God's kingdom, which will have eternal yields and rewards? And should not this good news cost us something? Remember the parable of the man who finds the treasure in the field earlier in Matthew. What he does is, what does he do? He finds a treasure in the field. He, he sells all that he has to buy that field. The treasure is the goal because it's worth so much more than what he pays for it. But it does cost him all that he has. And of course, he had to make time to do this out of his schedule. He probably worked all day and all night. But he found time to buy this field and sell all that he had. This is the kingdom of God. And we should be willing to let it cost us our dignity, our reputation at work, perhaps jobs and friends, because we know as believers that it is worth it. Therefore, we could close the gap right here in Kuwait by communicating the gospel to these and many more unreached people groups around us. There are about 7,000 unreached people groups left in the world today, and we can be part of God's mission for the church without going anywhere. I think that's, that's amen-worthy news. Amen. So, now, let's... Talk a little bit about application. I want to be as practical as I possibly can because this idea of preaching the gospel to the unreached in our backyard in Kuwait is critically important as an international church. For those who don't know, the international church is a church with various backgrounds, both ethnically and theologically, and that's what CIC is. I believe that thankfully this has been happening in our church over the years. We've had people from many nations, many ethnic groups, and with a healthy degree of difference on some of the minor points of the faith. But of course, agreement on the major points of the gospel, which is why the Nicene Creed, an ancient creed, has been our statement of faith since CIC's inception. We've also grown together and fostered relatively healthy relationships among one another in the church, at least prior to COVID. And that's another importance of the international church. At the same time, the international church also needs to be making kingdom impact on the local society, especially in terms of the gospel. And I'm not sure that we, or I'm preaching to myself here, that I have been effect very effective at that. Of course, we're in a critical time and we need to deal with the kind of the loneliness and the hurt amongst our brothers and sisters within CIC, CIC and the other churches in Kuwait, because it's been a very lonely time. But we don't want to be exclusively inward at the expense of the outward mission. This is the primary purpose of the church, according to this and many other passages. So how do we do this? First, we pray. 
We pray as a church that we would make an impact for the kingdom in Kuwait, that we would be the light of the church, the city on a hill, to a place that is spiritually dark. We pray that we would be able to make a difference in this land for those who are physically and emotionally hurting and suffering and bring to light spiritually hurting and suffering people who may not otherwise be aware. We need to pray that CIC would be a church that loves this community and that can share that love in real and practical ways. We also need to pray individually. It can be hard to love these people at times because they have power over us. And at times, these people have used this power to promote themselves and to even hurt us. We need to pray, though, that God would infuse love into our hearts to the people of this land because Jesus also loved us when we were unlovable, when we were hating God and hating one another, as the scriptures say. Second, we need to be strategic. I've said before that we can't love everyone equally because we, as creatures, are limited by time and space. As a result, we can't be effective at sharing if we are not thinking strategically and specifically. Who is one person at work, in your playgroup, in your sphere of influence, who does not know the gospel and is probably from an unreached people group? Whomever you're thinking about right now in your minds, that may be the person that God wants you to be reaching. So how do we reach them? It's usually not going to be a quick conversation about the four spiritual laws, and then we close the deal on the same day. That may happen. I've never seen that happen in my experience living in Kuwait. You must earn the right to be heard by building trust, and that the only way to build trust is to form relationships. Make sure that you have these simple conversations when you're with them. Invite them to your home. Spend time with them. Ask good, meaningful questions about their families hopes and dreams, their struggles. Get authentic, get real with people. Ask them what they believe about God in heaven and hell. Usually people are willing to share and that opens doors for you to share as well. I've had a great uh, interaction with people at my work. This is a couple years ago now, but we spent a lot of our time together. They were, um, they were, they were Gulf Arabs and we spent a lot of time together. We took time, we went, uh, start taking walks at our break and during lunch. We started celebrating each other's birthdays and holidays. We exchanged books, books about the faith, books about uh, Islam, books about Christianity. And I had the opportunity to share the gospel many, many times. It, in it, in a, now, I didn't have a dramatic conversion, but it planted seeds to the point where they could explain back. I've asked them to explain back to me what is the Christian gospel, and they knew what it was. So God clearly threw these, and it took, a, it took years to get to this place, but God used that and planted major seeds. Finally, we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. There are other times when unexpected opportunities arise that allow us to share the gospel and build a bridge to the culture. I had another experience where I had a friend, uh, just a colleague, really. She was half Kuwaiti, half Lebanese. She... I don't know, just doing some work. I was getting ready to go home. I want to be done for the, for the day at work. And she just said something that life has no meaning and that all religions are the same. Uh, so God managed to get my attention with that. And the Holy Spirit was giving me a nudge 
so I decided to stay and talk to her about what that means. And I got to share the gospel and she shared about her life. And that was an unexpected seed because I listened to the Holy Spirit at that time. Finally, there are resources available too. Um, you know, one that I've heard great reviews about is called Friendship First. It's about how to um, just make friends with people of the local culture, make friends with Muslims, how to, how to get to know them and their beliefs. And if we find a way to meet physically in the fall, I would like CIC to run a program like this as we have in the past to learn about the Muslim world and culture and taking that step to develop friendship with people from other cultures. So as we close, let's think and pray how we can join in the triumph of Jesus's unstoppable mission to bring the kingdom to every ethnic and linguistic group, especially during our time living in Kuwait. Jesus's kingdom end is clear, it's the church's mission and it's the church's goal. And it shows special love and value to the unreached. Jesus left his home in heaven with all kingly rights and privileges and crossed into our world as a tiny baby. He was born helpless and had to learn and grow and study. He learned to identify with us as people and suffer alongside of us. He also suffered for us so that we could gain the right to be his children. And the word Christian itself means to be little Christ's. If Jesus came from heaven to earth to identify with us, then we can cross the culture or cross the street, cross the office to identify with those of the local language. If Christ died to bring us into his kingdom, then we can share that gift with others so they too can become heirs with us in his great kingdom. And if Jesus' return is based on all cultures hearing and believing the gospel, then we can be part of God's triumphant endgame and be messengers so that the unreaching Kuwait can receive and believe. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the clarity of your word, that you have a special love for those who have never heard the gospel, the truth, the good news, that you lived a perfect life and died in our place. God, I thank you that you are going to complete this mission, that people from every nation and language and culture and tribe, there will be people who believe. God, I pray for the own fear and uh, weakness in my heart and our hearts that shrinks back from this. That does, I just, you know, many times in my soul, I just want to have an easy life, God, but that's not what you've called us to. You've called us to kingdom purpose. And that purpose will be so much more satisfying than just watching Netflix on the couch, God. And I just pray that you would give us the boldness, give us the the energy, give us the desire to love these people in this land in Kuwait, God, that the nations are here in our backyard and help us to love them and, be, and care for them and share the good news because there will be people who turn and believe and are saved. We ask for this in your great name, King Jesus. Amen.